You're listening to RN Drive with Andy Park on ABC RN. When was the last time you went out to a nice meal at a restaurant? And what was your palate accompanied by? Was it a crisp white or a fulsome, full-bodied red? Maybe a hoppy ale? Maybe even a cocktail? And if you enjoy a spot of people watching, was everyone in the establishment having a tipple as well? Because let's not beat around the bush here. The increasing cost of living is putting that entire experience beyond many people's reach, as well as increasing pressure on the hospitality industry itself. So given the markups on drinks at venues, are drinkers effectively subsidising the experience for non-drinkers? Now, the text line's naturally been overwhelmed with your thoughts. I'd love to hear them. 0418 whether you're finding the markups on drinks excessive in the first place or whether you're involved in the hospitality industry itself, how crucial are the markups on alcoholic beverages? Perhaps if you are a teetotaler, you might tip something more. I don't know. Uh, the text line's open. 0418 Kathy Kay makes a good point. She says, I think non-drinkers already subsidise drinkers in the healthcare system. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, there's this. Uh, we drinkers see it as our patriotic duty to subsidise the whole bloody country. Uh, also, this text, the markup on alcohol is so huge in restaurants, they should not charge children or non-drinkers, or for that matter, what would AA say about it? People have to eat and alcohol is such a terrible addiction. Another text too, perhaps these restaurateurs would be happier running a pub. Well, James Henderson is the host of the hospitality podcast, Hospopreneurs. He's also an economist. G'day, James. Welcome to you. Hey, Andy. Thank you very much for having me on the program. I need to point out from the outset that your day job is that you are employed at Diageo, which is a multinational alcoholic beverage company. But let's just put that aside for one moment. Uh, On your podcast, I suppose this issue has come up where the markups on wine and alcoholic drinks at some of our favourite bars and restaurants is up for, well, it's, it's diminishing return for many restaurateurs. How much of a markup are we talking about here? And, and is it any different to zero alcohol beverages? Um, I'll just quickly address there first, because um, I do have to keep this separate, that um, any views that I express are separate to that of um, the Diageo business. Um, and we're talking more, um, I guess, aligned with the, the Hospopreneurs podcast and my personal views. So I just want to quickly address that one um, firstly on that one for you, Andy. Um, so the, there is obviously a significant markup. A lot of, I guess, a lot of venues do target a, a margin, especially in the bar world, around about a 75% GP is is pretty standard um, or gross gross profit. Um, that is not always the case. I mean, you can get a bit more lean on that in, in other um, areas of the industry, but it is common to look for about 75%. However, um, there are a number of things that venues do have to pay for, um, and that, that is what, what drives um, the fact that they do have to um, mark up their, their alcoholic beverages. Surely this new trend of abstinence or... I suppose, moderation even, is having an effect on the hospitality industry more broadly. I mean, is it fair to say that non-drinkers, well, drinkers subsidise non-drinkers when it comes to the cost of food? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say subsidise. The industry is driven, like the 
the like the beverage alcohol industry is driven by alcohol, you know, in its name. Um, and so this this trend in low and no beverages is is newer. There isn't necessarily this sort of economies of scale that um, that exist there as opposed to alcoholic beverages. A lot of the zero um, alcohol beverages I've seen on menus in restaurants are, okay, not like fine wine, but perhaps a zero alcoholic beer is the same as an alcoholic beer. So surely there's still money in it. In terms of price, um, they are often sold at a similar or slightly lower price point. Um, I mean, it is continuing to grow and a number of brands are looking to expand in that space. Um, We saw um, around even um, sponsorship around uh, the World Cup, around um, Super Bowl. There are brands that are looking to move into that space. Um, You know, we've seen publicly that those sorts of things are are happening and there is more interest in it. Um, From what I've seen working day to day around people in hospitality and, and interviewing people in the space, it's not necessarily front of mind to be thinking about low and no alcoholic beverages, but rather to have it as an additional option, um, a category in, in, the, in the menu. Um, so having another page to, to advertise low and no beverages um, for people who, who do choose to reduce their consumption because um, we you know it's it's more been more and more the case this um, drive in in the health movement uh, people are more conscious of of these things and they're wanting to reduce their consumption but also in the Australian culture um, not sacrifice that the social aspect that um, that having a having a tipple with a friend um, or a group of friends you know really really does drive is it true and this has been true in my anecdotal experience where my wife and I would go out we share a bottle of wine we order our food and we liked it so much that we order more so I wonder if there's this relationship between uh, alcoholic beverages and people ordering more food that would sort of solve the problem wouldn't it if if the question is around, uh, I mean, I, I know that the the question is around: Are um, beverage alcohol drinkers subsidising the the non-alcoholic um, drinkers? And and you could you could frame it in that. I mean, yes, like ordering more food does subsidise the, even the consumption of, of alcohol in this space. But do you mean do you mean it around any any drinks or because well, someone could order from, a, from a business model? I mean, if you have a table or, or two and they're ordering alcohol. I wonder if uh, the business goes, well, they're going to order more food and then therefore help with that bottom line. Um, they may, they may, but I guess, um, you know, people may have a lot to drink as well and, and, and get full on, uh, on liquid as, as well. And, you know, if they, depending on where they are and how much they have to drink and the sort of, um, the culture of the venue, there are various venues in which it's more, uh, a space that people will have drinks and order less food. Um, some spaces in, in the restaurant, world, it's going to typically be the case that they're there to eat rather than there to drink. Um, so it, there are, it could be the case in different types of venues. Um, so yes, in some, uh, in some ways and no in others. On the text line, uh, some interesting points. This one, uh, by the same rationale here, for full service carriers, passengers who drink alcohol are being subsidised by non-drinkers who usually only have soft drink or juice options available. The same could be said for vegetarian or vegan versus meat options or meat dish options, which are clearly more costly. I mean, what are the expectations we have around the costs of going to a restaurant these days? It does feel like it's changing largely due to this abstinence movement do we have inherent expectations of what a plate of food should cost compared to a, a kind of bold barossa red or a crisp white from the hunter 
Mm. Now, we, we are, I think COVID did a lot to show people just how on the on the edge hospitality operates. I think that that's, that's really what COVID showed uh, the public because the industry has known this for a long time. Um, but we were right on the edge of falling off and a lot of venues unfortunately did. And if they didn't adapt or build in a new revenue stream in, in some way or cut costs, then they, they've had to go out of business. And, and that unfortunately did happen and, and showed people that during COVID. Um, this sort of, I guess for lack of a better term, post-COVID era, we're, we're on our way out of that that time. And a lot of venues that are still around have a new model incorporated or they've cut significant co- or cut costs significantly in order to compete. Um, there are going to be, I feel, some new entrants in the space that do, um, that do, do things differently. Uh, we're sort of... I, I see it as sort of post it, it's it's almost um you know that the post prohibition sort of year and people do talk about that that um that angle on it um and it there will be um ways that people find opportunities to subsidize other you know i'm using inverted commas but obviously you can't see me on the radio but um you know people are being subsidized by other people in some way it is a business and you do have to try to attract um a broader demographic um, in order to continue to compete in, in this world that we're in because a lot of venues that are alive now um, or, you know, have survived it or, or are entering have recognised that, the, you know, the, the middle market is is where or, or the bottom end where you just pump volume, you're just trying to get volume and the quality diminishes, um, that, that is often where, uh, where people do play to survive at the moment. Yeah, it does remind me of some of the nightclubs I went to in the 90s. No one was buying drinks and somehow they survived. James Henderson, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thank you very much, Andy. James Henderson's the host of the hospitality podcast, Hospopreneurs, here on RN Drive. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.